Mark chapter 14 is where we're at, beginning in verse 3. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he was reclining at table, and a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. And there were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. You'll not always have me. And she has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she's done will be told in memory of her. And now 2,000 years later, we're fulfilling again and again that prophecy of Jesus. Father, I thank you for uh, Mary's offering, her worship, her sacrifice. I thank you, Jesus, for um, showing us, teaching us something about your worth and about our worship And Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would open our eyes to to just see you for who you are and to be willing to give our lives, to pour them out uh, in honor of you. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know what I've found to be true in northwest Oklahoma anyway is that almost everybody is fine with Jesus as long as you don't get carried away. Have you noticed that? Uh, most everybody in Northwest Oklahoma is perfectly fine with a manger scene. We really don't have kind of those squibbles here in, in our part of the world. I can't think of anybody who has a problem with in God, being tru- in God we trust being on our money. Um, I don't think anybody in Northwest Oklahoma anyway has any problem with a, uh, a prayer, uh, public prayer for a tragedy, the tornado, the Boston bombing, something like that. Uh, when you all are driving on the ice, you all, you go into a slide, you're all singing, Jesus, take the wheel with Carrie, you know, I mean, uh, that, that's kind of the culture that we live in, is that, that nobody really has a problem with Jesus. However, what I've noticed is that the more radical you get, the more people begin to have a problem with it. Have you noticed that? Have you, I mean, the, 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 the. The, um, the, to the extent of your, your zeal and your, uh, your passion and your surrender and your service, as that goes up, more people begin to drop off, okay? Does that make sense to you? I mean, when, when people begin to, to serve radically and give radically and sacrifice radically and, and they begin to talk about Jesus all the time and they begin to be a bold witness for Him, what we find is that the less and the less people like that about you. Well, Mary is what could be called the radical of the radical, okay? Mary, Mary tops out the radical scale. What's going on here? By the way, John chapter 12 is, is where we're going to be getting a lot of our information as well as Mark 14. John and Mark both tell the story from different vantage points, and so we get different details from each of them. But what, what we see in this context is you've got Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Remember them? They're brothers and sisters. They own a home in Bethany. Jesus stays there a lot. They're 
They're special friends with Jesus. They take care of Jesus and the disciples. They feed them. They house them. Um, so it's kind of a special relationship between them. Uh, Lazarus, remember him? He's the guy that just just not very long ago from this passage, Lazarus died. Uh, he died. He was in the grave for four days. Uh, Mary and Martha were there weeping. Jesus shows up. He goes to the tomb, roll the stone away. They're like, no, Lord, it'll stink. He's like, roll it away. And Jesus calls Lazarus out of death and into life. And so Lazarus is the one of the ones, one of the people who's, who's at this banquet, this dinner held in Jesus' honor. Now, the other guy you'll notice in the first first verse there is Simon the leper, okay? Who's Simon the leper? We don't really know much about this guy. We know that he was a leper and he isn't now. How do we know that? Because he's eating with them. And if you were still a leper, then you weren't allowed to be around people in that culture. And so Simon was a leper, but he's not a leper anymore. How in the world did that happen? There was no cure for leprosy in that day. Can anybody, can just rack your brains, can we think of how it might happen that Simon doesn't have leprosy anymore? Hmm, Jesus is there. I wonder if Jesus had not healed Simon the leper, right? I mean, that, that makes actually perfect sense to me. So probably what you have here, John 12 tells us, is a banquet in honor of Jesus. It's for him. So you've got a banquet in honor of Jesus. You've got Lazarus, who was a dead man a few weeks before, sitting there. You've got Simon, who was a leper. Now he's there, and they're coming to give this banquet for Jesus and to express their appreciation and honor for Jesus. Now Mary, Mary is a great gal in the Scripture. Everywhere you see Mary, I think we see her three different times, three different stories about Mary. Every time, she's at the feet of Jesus. Okay, She's always at the feet of Jesus. I mean, Literally, in John 12, this story says after she anointed his head, she anointed his feet as well, and she wipes his feet with her hair. She's at the feet of Jesus every time we see her. Mary loves Jesus, and Mary is coming to this dinner thinking in her mind, what can I do to express my appreciation to Jesus? What can I do to tell Jesus how much I love him for raising my brother and for saving my neighbor and for dying for my sins? Jesus says she gets it already. She's one of the few people that gets what Jesus is going to do. He's going to go to the cross. Jesus says, she anoints him as for his burial. She knows the gospel is coming. She knows this is the king. She knows this is the savior. And so she's thinking, what do I do to express my love to Jesus? Now, Mary's a lady, obviously, and so she's going to do this in a very, very feminine way, okay? Now, lots lots of you ladies, you know you're, you're going to express appreciation in different ways. Some of you crafty ladies, we've got crafty ladies in our church, you know, they would probably be going through all their craft stuff, you know, what can I do? Make Jesus a little scrapbook, you know? Something like that. Here, Jesus, remember when you walked on water? See, you know, I got a little, little tired about this. A Hobby Lobby, you know, you know, some kind of expression of love for Jesus. You know, there was probably card. Bonnie's a card lady. Bonnie probably would have been going through her cards, you know. Um, get well soon. No, that doesn't work, you know. Um, miss you. No, you know. So glad you're here. That doesn't really say, you know. Be, be trying to figure out what can I do to express my love, my honor to Jesus. And so where Mary finally comes comes down with is she takes the most precious thing. She takes the most valuable thing she has. She goes through her house and she takes this alabaster uh, uh, container of, of pure nard, which is extremely expensive. It was used for, for wealthy people would, would anoint for burial. It was used for kings. It was used for prophets. Most of the time it was used for currency. This would have been kind of an investment thing, maybe handed down by her parents, maybe her retirement fund. If the scripture says it's worth, 
worth 300 denarii. A denarii was an average working man's wage for a day. So 300 is basically, when you take out weekends, holidays, that's a year's pay, okay? So you're looking at, I don't know, let's just for the sake of just saying it, let's say in today's money, $30,000. She's got this $30,000 container of oil being saved for probably her retirement, probably as she gets old, it's good what she's going to live on. She says, that's it. I'm going to take it. And she comes and she breaks the thing. She doesn't just take a couple of drops. She breaks the things and she pours it out all on Jesus. And in doing so, she is worshiping. Worship is a tough thing for us to get our head around. What exactly are we doing? You know, here's what I know. I, I looked at you guys um, just because... I knew what I was going to be talking about. And so I came in while you're still singing and I looked around. I just wonder what's going through. What do you guys, what, what do you think you're doing here? You know, I'm not like, what do you think you're doing? No, not like that. But like, <laughs> what, what, what do you, when you came, what, what's this about? What, you see, I, I think some people don't get it though. I know they don't. Men struggle with worship. You know why men, men are very task oriented. If I said, okay, guys, got some events coming up next Saturday, we're going to have a men's worship morning. We're going to come and we're going to, we're going to sing praises to Jesus. You know, we're going to lift this roof up, just exalting the name of Christ. And I said, then the next Saturday, we got a widow in our church. Her roof's leaking. We need to put a new roof on. Need a bunch of guys there. Which one's going to be better attended? The roof. You know Why? Because guys in their heads, here's what they're thinking. I know what that roof deal's about. Man, I, I understand that. I, I know we're looking for a product here, you know? You know, wid- widows, they, they hate to get their hair wet. You know, have you seen most widows? They even have those little scarves when they go out. They don't want to get it wet. And so the roof leaking's a bad deal. We need to fix that widow's roof. I mean, that, that's what they'd be thinking. There, there's a tangible benefit, okay? That, that's kind of the way guys think. They think, you know, I sell parts in the oil field. What does that do? Well, man, that keeps rigs going and drilling and production units and oil and gas pumping, selling it. We make money. I mean, that, 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 that's the way guys think. But what, what, what's happening when we worship? What benefit? It occurs when a person worships. See, worship doesn't make any sense if you're looking for a tangible thing to, to, to happen, you know, in a currency, okay? If you're looking at it that way, it doesn't make sense. But if you're looking at it from the standpoint that Jesus is the King of Kings, that Jesus loves you like nobody has ever loved you, that you are headed to hell and Jesus came in and plucked you out of that and given you new life and you're going to have a paradise in the new heavens and the the new earth and worship is our way of expressing our devotion and it's our way of expressing what is Jesus worth the word worship in the latin is worship what is it worth some of you guys are appraisers or you've done that in your past you know what an appraiser does he goes in and says what well, this is what this deal's worth okay an appraiser would be able to come in and look at this and say well this is all rolling it's uh, 10 years old it's in pretty good shape it's worth this you know, this is what the building's worth. This is what the car is worth. This is what a well is worth. This is what a house is worth. This is what a piece of property is worth. When you worship, you're saying, Jesus, this is what you're worth. That's what worship is. Now, is that important? Is that important to, to show Christ what he's, worship, what he's worth? Well, it seems to be in other areas of life. Let me ask you this question. Is, is it a worthwhile thing for, for me to kiss my wife later on? Uh, just for no, no ulterior motive. Just no other reason than to say, you're important to me. I love you. 
Is it important for me to, to, to hug my kids? Is that, is that a worthwhile thing for me to hug my little girls and say, man, I love you and I want to show you that. Is, is that a worthwhile thing? The, the, the soldier that, that comes back from Afghanistan, he's been in deployed for two years and he comes back and his, his wife and this little boy that he's never met is there at the airport and the daddy comes through there. They bust out in a full run and tackle him and jump up in his arms and they've got flowers and signs. Welcome home, dad. Is, is that worth anything? Or is that just a waste of time? Could they just have easily sent a message that said, take the bus home, we got sandwiches when you get here. Is it, is that, are those fine? Are those fine? Because what really are you doing when you go to the airport with signs and flowers and jump up and down? What, what are you actually producing? You're wasting gas. He could have, could have took the bus home, right? Or are you expressing something valuable in a relationship? If you're at your small group, and your kid's playing out in the yard, and the ball goes down the street and your kid starts running and there's a truck coming out and you can't get to him. But one of your small group people is over there and they, they had a full sprint run over and they grab your kid by the back of the collar and they jerk him out of the road. As that truck comes by, truck comes by, hits his little sneakers right as it comes by, saves his life. Is there any value in expressing your thanks to that person? Is there any value in that? Or, or would, it, would it just be a good to say, hey, you know what, anybody would have done that, you know. I'd do that for your kids. Well, not the oldest one, but the younger one I would. You know, I mean, that, that's not a big deal. I mean, who, who wouldn't do that? Is there a need? Is, is, there, is that worth anything? Well, if that's worth something, then I wonder, my friends, is it worth something to express to Jesus Christ on a regular basis what he's worth? And he said, amen, but let me be honest with you. For some people, it's not. Uh, I know it's not for some folks because for some folks, even the smallest acts of worship are a drudgery. I can say that because that was me. I went to church growing up. My dad was saved when I was eight years old. And so I grew up for most of my life in church. And for most of my life in church, the song leader would say, would you stand we're going to sing victory in Jesus. And I would put my hands on the pew like this. And I would just wait for it to be over. Because <laughs> it wasn't worth anything to me. There was no need for me to say, Jesus, you're worthy. You're holy. You're strong. You redeem me. That wasn't in me. So what's he worth? Bonnie, we sing a song, one of my favorites. It says, were the whole realm of nature mine, that'd be a gift far too small. Love so amazing, so divine. Demands, demands my soul, my life, my all. That's what Mary did, didn't she? She gave her all. That's exactly what she did. She, she, I mean, she gave literally her all. She went to, what, what's the most valuable thing I got? That's what I'm going to give. I'm going to pour my life out. I'm going to pour it out in devotion. I'm going to pour my time out. I'm going to pour myself out. Jesus, you're worth that. You know, here's a great question. Let me ask you this question. Could your expression of devotion ever be too much? 
Is there ever a time where it's just too much? I mean, you, you went overboard there. You, 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 you exceeded. Jesus is worth this. And man, you're living up here. You're living like he's worth this. You exceeded what his sacrifice is. I don't think you can ever do that. You can do that to people, okay? You, you can express too much thanksgiving to people. Did you know that? You can express to people too much praise. I mean, that is possible, okay? My, my son, my son vacuumed out my car last Sunday afternoon. We were out washing cars, washing my, my, my daughter's and mine, and, and, and I got carried away. I think I had a phone call or something, and when I came back, my son had vacuumed out my car. And you know what I did? I walked right over to that boy, and I said, son, thank you. Thank you for vacuuming my car. Okay, here's what he did. My expression of worship, I think, was just right. He doesn't need to be paid. He's living in my house for free. That was just <laughs> fine, Okay. In other words, I matched the expression. He did a good thing. I, I expressed in reality of that good thing, okay? Now, you see, for me to have been like, oh, son, you're incredible. Stay way right here, way right here. And I'd have driven to Walmart and bought him one of those iPads and came back and said, you vacuumed up my car, son. Here's an iPad, you know? And then I'd have, I'd have called up the newspaper the next day, put out a big front page, you know, bought the whole front page, Haddon Dirks, vacuumer of dad's car, awesome son, you know, then I hired Pastor Chris, paid him a thousand bucks to make one of those videos you put on YouTube, like, like Chris did for, for Harden and his beard, except instead of beard like Harden, vacuumer like Haddon, you know, and just, just this, you know, just gone overboard. Here's the deal about that. That's too much, Right. Haddon was in the last service. He was like, yeah. I was like, no, no, son. A simple thank you is enough. Now, see, here's here's what a lot of people would say. Jesus is worth this. Me showing up at church every once in a while, put a couple dollars in the plate, that matches They'd say, just like I said, I had, that's good. That's good. He ought to be happy I'm here. He ought to be happy that I graced his presence and attended. Is that really what he's worth? Psalm 116, 12. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? It's interesting, if you read the context of that psalm, it never answers the question. You know why? I don't think that you can get an answer to that. Mary's response to Jesus is basically, Jesus, you're better than anything. And because you're better than anything, I'm going to pour out my life. Okay, I'm not just going to say you're better than anything. I'm not just going to wear a t-shirt that says you're better than anything. I'm actually going to show in a, in, a, in a visible way, Jesus, you are better than anything. I'm going to give my life. I'm going to pour my life out for you. For Mary, the money that that, that represented, the security of her retirement, whatever, it, it was not worth more to her than Jesus. And so she was willing to seize the opportunity and pour it all out for Christ. Notice what Jesus says. He says, he says, she has done what she could. 
Okay, he says, you always have the poor with you. But, but now she saw that this was her opportunity to give glory to Jesus. This was her opportunity, the urgency of the moment to do something for Christ, to show that she was grateful, to show that Jesus was worthy, to show that, 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 that he was Savior and King. Verse 8 says, she has done what she could. She did all she could. She couldn't stop the crucifixion. She, she couldn't stop the Romans, but she could do what she could do. And as she gives her life out, as she pours out this, this, this amazing amount of sacrifice in order just to say, Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, you're honorable. Jesus, you're king. There's other people in the room who look at the same act and they say, what a waste. Now, in the, in the gospel of Mark, it doesn't give us names. Mark is generous here uh, to the parties. He says... Um, In verse uh, 4, there were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 100 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. They scolded her. Okay, in John chapter 12, it tells us who the ringleader of this conversation was. It was Judas Iscariot. In John chapter 12, verse 4, it says, But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Okay? They said it's a waste. Now, let me tell you a couple things. Number one, first of all, you and I should be very careful about ever criticizing anybody's worship. Okay? Uh, we should be we should be careful about criticizing how anybody pours out their self for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there is a place and a time in a church where where we ought to be be careful of distraction, you know, where, where we ought to come together in a unity. I, I fully believe that, you know, I mean, if if we're sitting here and we're singing how great thou art, you know, and uh, and John Hansen's over here saying, you know, Lord, rescue me from the Walmart shoppers, rescue me from the Walmart shoppers. Okay, all right, that's fine for him to pray that prayer. But hey, John, why don't you sing what we're singing? Okay, do, do you get what I'm saying? There's a time where, where we all, you know, had to have order, okay? I'm not saying that, but I am saying you need to be careful about, about criticizing the way that somebody else loves Jesus. The great Old Testament story for this is David and Macaulay. Remember when the ark is coming into Jerusalem? And David is so pumped about the ark coming in. He's just thrilled. And so he gets out there and he starts dancing in front of the ark. And, and it says he took off his kingly robes and you know it says he was naked i don't know like he's buck naked i kind of picture him more in like his his t-shirt and shorts i don't know maybe he was i don't know but anyway mccall sees this from the window his wife and she despises david and he comes home later and she's like oh great show honey you know man you really dishonored everybody today is that the way a king is supposed to act and she criticizes david and god strikes mccall with barrenness from that point on in her life now that tells me we better be pretty careful about criticizing the way that somebody worships. So Judas says, what a waste. What a waste. Why why would he say waste? Well, the word waste means to be destroyed or ruined or perished or lost. It's It's a waste of resources. Okay? And so from Judah's perspective, this could have been sold for 30,000 bucks in our money anyway, and it could have been given to the poor. It could have done things for the poor. And so the question we need to ask is, is honoring Jesus a waste? Now, think about the, the, the way he phrases it as a waste. Now, we understand things like that, right? Um, 
If I go out and, and spend $5,000 for a dustpan, a gold-plated dustpan for my kitchen, um, that's a waste. Why is that a waste? Think about why that's a waste. That's a waste because all of this money bought something that is really going to have very little value in my life. I, mean, I can go to Dollar Tree and get a dollar one, and it's going to work just as good, right? So I've, I've, I've spent resources on something that did not, did not matter very much, okay? If I tell you that I spent you know 200 hours last week on my yard, you know, that, that I mowed it and then I went through the pair of scissors and I clipped each piece of grass so that it, it, it was just, you know, right. And then, and then I went through the watering can and watered each spot of the yard exactly the same amount. You know, you, you know what you would tell me? You would say, Pastor, that's a waste. You know, it's a waste of your time. Uh, you, 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 that, that, that's a waste of resources, okay? If you got a brain surgeon and the brain surgeon has the ability to crack somebody's skull open and fix their brain, but yet he spends all of his day running that little temperature deal over people's foreheads in the ER, okay? You know what you would say to that guy? You would say to that guy, man, you've got training, you've got gifts, you've got resources, you've got this, this huge amount of potential and you're wasting it on something that, that, that is not worth your time, you're worth your while. So let's make this very practical to us today. Each one of you has time, okay? Now some of you are going to say you've got less time than other people. That's actually not not true, okay? I don't know if you if you got taught this in school, but there's 24 hours in every day and everybody gets the same, okay? There's nobody who get 8 and some people get 30, okay? You you got 24 just like everybody else. Now, the question is, how are you going to spend them? Now, some people have a great capacity to 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 earn the, in that hour a lot of money, okay? Some people like me, I could maybe go out and earn $8 an hour, okay? Other people they could use that same hour and earn 30. Other people could use that same hour and you earn 50. There's people in this world that can earn $100, $200, $300 in an hour's worth of time. And so the question begins, what about an hour of prayer? What's an hour of prayer worth? Now, some of you guys haven't ever been to one of our Ask Prayer services. That's where we come in and we spend an hour just in concentrated prayer. At the end of it, we break up into small groups and we pray. And so if you haven't ever been, I want to tell you this because you'd be incredibly disappointed if you came. But when you come and pray for that hour, when you leave, you do not get a check. Okay? You don't get a check. You don't get, oh man, you prayed hard. You know, here's 30 bucks, you know. Eh, your prayer is pretty bad. You know, here's five, you know. You, You don't get a check, okay? And so, so... Some of you, you could, have, you could have used that hour and made 30 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, okay? Was that a waste then to spend it in prayer? What about praise? Is praise a waste? What if, what if we had an hour, we just sang praises to Jesus? You know, there's a lot of people even in church that would say we wasted that time. We should add some preaching. Is that a waste for us just to come with a heart attitude of praise and say, Jesus, you're worthy? You're good, you're strong, you're powerful, you're mighty. We thank you. Is that a waste? Is there anything happening there? How about, how about an hour in the scriptures? How about an hour just soaking up the scriptures? Would you say, you know what, you could have done something else with that hour and, and produced more. Did you know that that actually was said to somebody in the Bible? Did you know it was said to the very same lady that we're talking about today? Luke chapter 10. Poor Mary. Mary gets picked on a lot in the Bible. And you're probably going to find that the more radical you are for Jesus, the more you're going to get picked on in, in, in the scriptures by other people. Uh, Mark chapter, or I'm sorry, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. These are the same people, okay? 
who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, are you anxious and troubled about many things? One thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Do you see that? And Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away. Okay, so there they are in the house. Okay? They got 12 guys plus Jesus to feed. <laughs> Martha, you know what Martha's doing? Martha's saying, man, we got to redeem the time. You know, right now, get the roast going. Get the potatoes mashed. Get the gravy made. Get the ta- solid salad tossed. You know, get the beds changed. Let's get the guest room ready. Let's get the vacuuming done. There's, a, there's dishes need to be done. And, and she's working, working, working. She's turning that time into a meal. And there's nothing at all wrong with that. But what is Mary doing? Mary's saying, I don't care about the meal. And she's down on her knees. It says she's at the feet of Jesus. And she's just soaking up the teachings of Jesus. She's soaking up the word of Jesus. And Jesus... Jesus, when confronted with that situation, you know what he says? Mary picked the more necessary thing. What's everybody going to eat, though? I know most of you do not believe this, especially if you're in a certain small group. We won't die if we miss a meal. Just push back. Jesus said, Mary chose the best thing. What, what's it worth? What's it worth? What's Jesus worth? Well, I can tell you for one particular person exactly what Jesus is worth. Because Judas Iscariot would leave... The Lord Jesus on the night before his crucifixion, he would go to the temple leaders and he would betray Jesus into their hands for 30 pieces of silver. What's Jesus worth to Judas? 30 pieces of silver. Now, the question, though, is what's he worth to you? Now, I want to push back a little bit on this whole thinking that that there's nothing practical or tangible that happens when we worship. In John chapter 12, John gives us an interesting observation. In verse 3, he says, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And then he gives us a little detail. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Why does John tell us that? I think he tells us that because... The whole atmosphere of the house changed with Mary's gift. I wonder, if you get up in the morning, and if your heart is full of exaltation to Jesus, I wonder if, you, if you're driving in your minivan to church, and, and you're, you're, you are overwhelmed. You're, you're giving praise to the glory of Jesus. You're, you're saying, guys, Jesus is worth it all. Will that change the atmosphere of your van, of your house, of your marriage, of your parenting? Crystal Castor came up to me after the 830 service. She said, Pastor, let me tell you a story about how one person worshiping can change the the environment 
around them. She said, last week we were at the all church service and she said, little Trevor Harris. Trevor's, what is Trevor, eight or nine, eight, probably seven or eight. She said, Trevor was standing between her and between and Robert Dernell. And she said, we were singing the song, 10,000 Reasons, you know, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. And she said, little Trevor was literally belting it out with everything he had. And she said, in the middle of that song, he stops and he turns to Crystal and he said, they sang the song at my mom's funeral. Crystal said, the whole area around that little boy was energized. It was changed. The atmosphere was changed. Because one little boy that's lifting his voice to the Lord. It'll change. It'll change everything in your life. Won't it? Listen to what Jesus said in verse 9. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she's done will be told in memory of her. What's, what's Mary, what is she saying with this act of worship? You know what Mary's saying with this act of worship? She's saying, Jesus, you are king. Jesus, you're better than anything. Jesus, you're glorious. Jesus, you're the pearl of great price. You're the treasure worth giving everything for. I mean, she's literally doing it right now. She's giving it all, you know? And, and she's saying that. She's screaming with her life, not with her voice, with her life. This is King Jesus. This is the resurrection and the life. She's got a neon sign that's flashing to the glory of Jesus. When you worship, that's exactly what you do. When your heart and soul is, is, is crying out to Jesus. Let me tell you, people can tell, even when they're sitting beside you, whether or not you're lifting up the name of Jesus within your prayers, when you're, you're exalting Christ, and in the scriptures, you're pouring out your life for Christ. Let me tell you what that's going to do. It's a neon sign flashing to people that Jesus is better than anything. And Mary's one act has been a part of 2,000 years worth of proclaiming the glory of Jesus. I don't think it was a waste. That's my opinion. However, history has a way of vindicating what's right and what's wrong. Jesus goes on to, to die for our sins, to save the, the people of God from their sins... He rises on the third day, he ascends into heaven, he sits at the throne of the right hand of God the Father. Mary becomes an example for thousands of years of what a worshiper is. She's joined after her death to King Jesus in glory. And the man named Judas, who thought it was a waste, hangs himself over a canyon, busts out in the middle, and his innards spill over the canyon floor. And the Bible says he perishes in a place called hell. It's very interesting. Do you, do you see what Judas said here? He says, why was this ointment wasted? That's a Greek word. It's used again in the scriptures. It's used by Jesus in John 17, verse 12. Jesus is talking about his disciples. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. Not one of them has been lost except the son of... You see that word destruction? Perdition? It's in your Bible, maybe? You know what that word is? It's the exact same word in Mark 14 for wasted. Jesus calls Judas 
Literally, the son of wasted. The son of a wasted life. If you remember last Good Friday, not this year, but the year before, we looked at this passage in Mark in verse 21 where it said, The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man had he never been born. The Scriptures is very clear. Judas wasted his life. He wasted it. The whole thing. The whole thing. We, we like to think, well, maybe I can get 70% right, 80% right. Maybe I just miss a couple things and it'll be okay. If you're not a worshiper of Jesus, you wasted it all. One life, one life. All you get's one. All you get's one. And, and if you don't live your life displaying the worth of Jesus Christ, you've wasted it. So really today it's a matter of worship or it's a matter of waste. We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. I'd like to pray and if our guys would go ahead and come forward. Father, I just thank you for... I thank you for Mary. I thank you, Jesus, for the picture of a lady who, who pours out her life in honor of you. God, I pray that we'd be a little bit more radical than we are. God... I just pray, Father, that we'd be a little bit more, a little bit more joyful, a little bit more zealous, a little bit more passionate, a little bit more all in. God, because you're worth that. You're worth that and so much more. Were the whole realm of nature ours, that'd be a gift far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my heart, my all. Christ's name. Amen.